From Fairfield University, this is David Schmidt, director of the Patrick J. Wade Center for Applied Ethics, bringing you episode one of Hashtag Can We Talk? This podcast series explores practical approaches to effective verbal communication. With us are the authors of the book, Hashtag Can We Talk, Diana Hulls and Pete McDermott. Diana has had a long academic career in counselor education, and Pete was a police captain and is a distinguished visiting professional in applied ethics at Fairfield University. Their combined backgrounds provide a unique perspective on how people communicate. Welcome, Diana and Pete. Thanks, David. Thanks. Great to be here. It's great to have you here. So let's get started. In this podcast series, we're going to be talking about a number of topics from your book, Hashtag Can We Talk. I'd like to get us started to see if you could summarize for me, just in like in a nutshell, what the book is about. The skills uh, we write about in Hashtag Can We Talk, we believe are needed for civil and engaged face-to-face interactions in today's world. And we believe that these skills help people establish satisfying and meaningful interpersonal relationships. And also, this is a book about something you already know. Uh, How do we interact with people? We all know everything about it until you start studying the book and find out, gee, I didn't know that. Hmm. So we're, I am hopeful that people pick this up and improve their ability to interact with each other. So it's something that we all would use every day. Uh, it would be very familiar to us, but there's a lot to learn about good interaction. Uh, it's a never-ending learning. It goes on forever, as I'll allude to later, that I'm still learning and I'm Certainly a senior citizen. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm always interested in learning what brings someone to write a book in the first place. What prompted you two to write a book on something like active listening and responding skills? Well, I can start by saying that after Pete and I spent about nine years training police personnel in active listening and responding skills, and also publishing a handbook and articles and op-ed pieces, and providing train-the-trainer workshops, we decided to expand our focus beyond police to include the broader public. And this means that we are writing for people at any age who are engaged in everyday interactions at home, with family, with friends, at school, at work, or in their community. I think our main hope for the book is that it will animate readers, whether they are learning this information for the first time or revisiting this information. We want them to see the value of active listening skills since many people 
just needs someone to listen to them in a wholehearted manner and to respond in ways that build and support interpersonal conversations. Hmm. My interest in, in this particular topic of interacting with people starts back in the 60s when I became a police officer. Uh, it was a different society then than it is now, but the need now is probably greater than it was then. But I learned in my first week that I had better learn to interact with everybody or I wasn't going to have a good time at work. Uh, j just walking into a room filled with World War II and Korean War veterans as a 21-year-old, I was dumbfounded. So where do I go from there? And al almost immediately I recognized that if I was going to be comfortable in my line of work, I had to be able to communicate. Uh, and communication has been an ongoing goal of mine ever since uh, it, it's something that in, again in, in law enforcement you you have you're put there as a partner in the public safety of a community and you have to interact with people you have to interview people you you stop people for violating laws and you have to approach their vehicle and talk to them and they're under a lot of stress and conflict and as we all know red lights go on behind your car stress mm -hmm. builds up a police officer is going to talk to you hopefully the police officer understands the need to diffuse some of the stress at that time uh, any interaction and the ability to establish relationships uh, is going to be critical in what we do uh, lack of these skills is exhibited in citizen and personal dissatisfaction. Uh, I've seen a cycle of failures throughout my time. I, I, we would have people that worked with us who just seemed to have extreme difficulties in communicating to anybody. And then we had people on the other side of the partnership, the public, who experienced the same type of inability to communicate what their needs were, what they wanted. And when you start out with that type of cycle, it's not going to be good. Hmm. Now, our society has changed and technology has exploded, especially in the last 15 or 20 years. And it, the need for basic competency and relationship building has increased because the jokes today that you read in the paper, the, the signs you see in every office that you go into is, please turn off your telephones. And no matter where you go, you go into a restaurant, you see six people sitting at a, at a table at supper and four of them are staring at a telephone. You go to a wedding and you see any child under five years old at a wedding probably has some sort of technology tool in front of them to keep them from disrupting the wedding. And they grow up with that. These basic skills are created based on your environment. Now, we're all, we all grew up differently and we interacted differently. But some of us, because we didn't have technology, we interacted with people all the time. Now, 
You don't have to interact with people all the time. You can speak to people through a telephone, and or or yeah, a, it is a telephone actually, but it's called a text machine by some. Uh, and, and if you grow up, you spend your formidable years from third grade to graduating high school behind a screen, you're going to have difficulty with the basic skills. Uh, when I began working with uh, Professor Hulse at Fairfield University, I discovered that the basic competencies that could indeed, they, they could be learned. I mean, I didn't know that. I mean, I would look at people back in the 60s that couldn't interact, other officers that didn't have the success of interacting. I'd look at them and say, gee, that's too bad. I wish there was something we could do. When I became a supervisor, I said, I have an obligation here to help these people communicate. That's when I found out I didn't know what to do. Uh, I would tell them, you know, be more respectful. That's a concept. Be respectful to people. That doesn't help you communicate. It just means be respectful. Uh, but if you don't have the basic skills to interact with people, then where do you go from there? That's not going to help you. No, it's not going to help you at all. And when I started interacting with Professor Hulse uh, in the counseling, the graduate counseling program at Fairfield University, I, they were taking a course called Skills, which taught the skills that we're talking about. And it was one of those light bulb moments that it was an epiphany for me. I just said, oh my God, you can teach this. If I had known this 25 or 30 years ago, we could have done that. Diana, it's interesting. He observed you doing what, in fact, he actually needed. Uh, do you want to add to that some of the things that Pete maybe witnessed when he watched you doing that kind of education? I think one of the first things he noticed was that each of the skills that we write about in our book have a definition and they have a purpose. And once you figure out, for example, um, let's take the verbal response skill of paraphrasing. It's a skill that helps you reflect meaning back to someone of the words that they've spoken to you. It's, it's a way of helping them know that you are listening to what they are saying, that that's a skill that one can actually practice with someone else, get some feedback on the skill, and then continue to perfect the skill. So I would just add to Pete's reflections on his career and the need for uh, these competencies in police work that in our digital age today, as he points out with the ready availability of technology, um, people are losing these skills. Or another way of saying it, face-to-face -face skills are slipping from people's repertoire. And, and so the skills we write about in the book are to help people re-engage if they knew the skills at one time or learn them for the first time and understand that they are very, very important to um, include 
in mm-hmm. their repertoire of skills. Be- because I would just add, and we may talk about this later, others have written that we can get along with technology mm-hmm. in life. But at some point, we may regret that we did not build relationships or use our other skills to full advantage. So we're we're like uncovering, as Pete says, skills that seem invisible to a lot of people and giving them definition, giving them purpose. And we're pretty excited about the potential of this type of endeavor. It's yeah. very, very exciting. Yeah. What's, what comes across really clearly to me when I asked you why you were why you wanted to write this book is you're really responding to actual people's needs that you observe in your professional and in your academic work. Yeah. Right. So this is actually very practical and important. You've indicated the um, the advent of technology and the growth of technology and the impact that has. So I can see why this book is very timely because we're all uh, deeply enmeshed in our technological world. Is there anything else going on in the world now that you think makes this book important? Like if I were to say, you know, why now? What's the reason for this book in addition to the technology change? Well, without looking at some major issues, I mean, again, this book starts at, at ground level. These are the fundamental skills. But when you look at corporate work, who are they hiring today? I mean, they have people graduating with degrees from all types of topics, but they're saying, well, we want somebody with emotional intelligence. We want somebody with empathy. Um, That is wonderful. And in law enforcement, one of the new trends or the new identified issues that we have is under use of force, highly, highly sensitive times in people's lives, you have to learn to de-escalate. And de-escalation is kind of a buzzword that goes around. We have to teach them to de-escalate. That's all great. That's But that's, in my analogy is, uh, it's like giving uh, pride and prejudice to a third grader and say, read it, when they're still reading Dick and Jane books. You need to have the fundamental skills in your system before you can start to de-escalate, before you can develop or or before you can get a higher level of emotional intelligence. You need to have skills that allow you to interact with people. Emotional intelligence is the ability to make proper decisions under varied types of circumstances, and you can't do that unless you have some basic fundamentals. Uh. Well, I I have several reasons for why I think our book is timely. First of all, in the book, we identify the significance of interpersonal relationships. And let's step back and think about their value in our world today. Everywhere we look, in popular magazines, journals, newspaper articles, we see a clear call for interpersonal relationships. They're they're cited as significant to achieving a life well-lived. 
For example, they enhance physical, emotional health. They help reduce feelings of isolation and loneliness, which can trigger a range of other problems. And interpersonal relationships play a role in the development of emotional intelligence skills, as Pete just referenced, because emotional intelligence skills all have an interpersonal component. And I think the other reason the book is timely is that we identify the active listening and responding skills that readers can practice and use to achieve and support interpersonal relationships. So it's a kind of a package deal that seems relevant and in a way urgent, which I may get into later in some of our conversations. I look forward to that. You've given me a number of uh, examples in passing of the kinds of things that readers might expect to see in the book. Um, before we conclude, are there any other topics or any other information you would just like to highlight now for what readers might expect to see from hashtag Can We Talk? Well, I, I think what they will see is that Diana had mentioned earlier about paraphrasing. Well, I used to stand in front of a class of 50 recruits and say, you know, a way to accomplish something, a way to make sure people understand you is to paraphrase. And that was the end of the discussion. And they'd say, oh, yeah, okay. I don't know how many of the 50 recruits knew what paraphrasing was. I don't know how many of them understood how you get, how you paraphrase. And again, when I came to Fairfield and I started interacting with the graduate students, I had to actually do it. And you, you don't learn skills by do without doing. Okay. You don't learn anything without doing it. Okay. So that's what we're trying to promote here. Because I can practice anything in the book at home with my family. Excellent. Diana? Well, I think uh, I'd like to br bring up another point related to your question of why now is this book an important contribution. Um, we've touched on the fact that for some people these skills are invisible. I think one of the challenges facing us is the language used by many people to describe and discuss interpersonal skills. And the fact that many people, while agreeing with us, and this we've seen through our work with uh, law enforcement and in other settings, they believe that these skills can be helpful, they dismiss them as actual proficiencies that people can learn and master, like Pete was referring to. And, and the language piece that is a real barrier to getting the word out about these skills is using language like soft and touchy-feely. So if you think about it, this is in contrast to terms we see a lot about hard skills. And hard skills often refer to technical skills, financial analytics skills, computer programming skills. 
So the designation of soft or touchy-feely to capture the expression of empathy or the use of other emotional intelligence skills is a major hindrance because active listening and responding skills lose their currency. They don't really seem significant. It's kind of like we hear, I know what you mean, people are born with these skills, or if they come from a good family, they have these skills, or we even hear people say, you can't teach these skills. And so to us, these statements reflect myths about the power and influence of interpersonal skills, which are real skills. And, and one of the things Pete and I talk a lot about is if these skills are common sense, as people seem to say they are, why are there so many problems with, that, with how people converse or do not converse with others? And why don't we see more evidence of people using these skills on a daily basis? Okay. I think that's very important. You know that this whole conversation is taking place in the context of applied ethics at Fairfield University. And one thing that we see over and over again, it's a very similar phenomenon. People say ethics, well, it's important, but it's obvious. We all know what's right or wrong. And also, it can't be taught. It's a soft skill. And and when they say that, they devalue it. Absolutely. So what I really appreciate what I'm hearing from both of you is you're keeping this grounded in the real and what people are really experiencing. And you're correctly noting that there are a lot of problems in the way people relate and communicate. Your, your book promises to provide the skills, the proficiencies that will help people do a better job. And, and it helps everybody to improve continuously. I mean, the, the simple comical scenario of you're sitting down, especially now with, with the NFL playoffs going on, you're sitting there watching television and your child or your significant other comes up and starts talking to you and you keep your eyes on the screen and and they walk away angry because you're not listening, but you're saying, I am listening. But in the book, one of the skills that we talk about is eye contact. If I turn my back on you, everybody will presume I am not, or you are not listening to me. And yet I can say, well, no, I'm listening, go ahead. And it's those common things at such a basic level of life that expand straight up through corporate America and into political America. So civil, really civil conversation. Through, through is, all of society. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I do think that after all the work Pete and I uh, applied to training law enforcement in these skills, there are a couple of examples from some training we did at Fairfield that you, David, supported as well as the graduate school. When we brought in seven uh, police officers and sergeants for an 18-hour training in the skills that we write about in the book, and two quick examples show how these skills can be taught, learned, and applied Six months out, one of the officers who participated in the study wrote to me and told me how he had used several of the skills in an incident with someone 
in his community. He said that he used his nonverbal skills like voice, tone, eye contact, and physical gestures to help him convey to an individual that he was listening to that person. And he paired those skills with focusing and paraphrasing. And the combination, he said, made the situation much better. The person listened to him and the, the, the conflict was resolved. The other officer noted that he had used several of the active listening skills with reflecting feelings to engage a person in a chaotic encounter. And he could see the value of knowing when to select a skill for use in a given situation. And Pete has emphasized this point with police training that no matter where you are in your career, and some of these officers were in their 30s and 40s, that you can learn the skills and you can learn to use them situationally. It's kind of like what works best in what situation. And I just think this gives us real hope that even in a short training like we did at Fairfield, just think what people can do when they read the book and they say, well, you know, I'm going to practice these various skills and keep using them in my daily interactions. They will then learn that they are very good at it and that they can say, right now with you in this situation, I need to focus in a bit more, or in this situation, I need to reflect feelings. And so there's great value in viewing these as skills to learn rather than, as you were saying about ethics mm -hmm. earlier, it, common sense or everybody can do it. Well, everybody can do it, but there is a, a process of how you get there, right? Yeah, and that's the... That's one of our biggest societal problems. I mean, back in 1829, Sir Robert Peel presented his nine principles for law enforcement or public safety. One of those principles stated that the police are the public, the public are the police. So there's a partnership. So this book is, is even though my emphasis was on training police officers, this book is written for everybody. Because if we just train police officers to participate, and the public is lacking the same skills the police are lacking, then we're not going to have the interactions that we wanted. So anybody can learn to interact. But in our multicultural society today, and it's really complex no matter where you live, it's important that you have the ability to communicate with each other. You may not, you don't have to agree. This is not agreement. This is communication with each other and that's sometimes where we lose it we have i'm on the left side you're on the right side and there's no middle but communication eliminates that barrier well i think that sounds really important and very exciting we've been listening here to diana hulls and pete mcdermott give us an overview of this really exciting book they've come up with hashtag can we talk we will have future podcasts in which we will delve into specific skills, specific topics, 
that are taken from the book with plenty of examples of how this would look in action. But I think right now you've really whetted my appetite. I'm interested to learn more. Uh, and for anyone who is interested in getting a copy of the book, hashtag can we talk is available online at amazon.com. If you search for it, I would search for it using that as one word, no spaces, hashtag can we talk, no spaces, and it should take you right to it. I'd like to conclude now thanking Diana and thanking Pete for a terrific conversation, and I look forward very much to our next podcast. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. Appreciate this. Okay.